Well, today is our final message in the No Offense message series. Four weeks ago, uh, four weeks ago, we introduced the idea that all of us can get offended. All of us can get offended. The question is, is what are we going to do when we're offended? It's not a question of if you're going to be offended. You're going to be offended. I'm going to be offended. We're going to be offended. The question is, what do we do when we're offended? That was kind of the topic four weeks ago. And then three weeks ago, Pastor Jane on week two introduced us to how to forgive when forgiveness seems impossible. And she shared with us about that idea. Last week, I shared about how to handle those people those people in your life and, and how to deal with them. And all of these podcasts are online. If you want to go find them, you can listen to any of them. If you missed any of them, you can pick them up on our website. Uh, but today, today we're closing this series down, looking at bitterness. What do you do when bitterness takes over? That's the theme for today. And this one might push us a little bit uh, because it's a tough concept and we all face this idea of bitterness. It's easy for us to slip into bitterness because there's so much anger in the world. There's so much anger in the world today. We've mentioned this several times. I've said this over and over. I think in every message that you've heard in this series, we've seen this and we've heard this, that the world just seems angry today, right? That everywhere we look, the world just seems angry. People are angry with their governmental leaders. I mean, there's so much anger. And it doesn't matter which political party you're a part of, everybody is angry with their governmental officials. I try as a pastor, I try to pay attention on social media anyway, I try to balance my feeds, I try to look at both the left and the right so that I can see what's going on, and it doesn't really matter which feed I'm listening to or watching at the time. Every single feed that comes through my social media from a political place is just got some anger attached or some kind of snarkiness. Right? People are angry with their governmental leaders. Workers are angry with their employers. Right? How many times have we seen in the media, in the newspaper, or on social media, other places, the great resignation of 2021, 2022? Right? People are leaving in, in droves, and they're just taking off, and they're angry with their employers, and they want things that are better for themselves. The world just seems angry. The truth is we're living in a state of bitterness these days, and we don't even know it. We're living in a state of bitterness these days. Here's what I mean. Did you know that the FAA, uh, the, the Federal Aviation uh, Program, they report the average of uh, incidents that are reported on airlines, right? So if there's an incident that's reported on the airlines, they have to report it. And so they take these things and they, they, they will them down and they investigate them. And there's a yearly average that's been investigated by airlines prior to 2020. And the yearly average of incidents reported on airlines prior to 2020 was 143 incidents per year. In the year 2021, that number was 5,981. 5,981. Prior to 2020, it was 143. In 2021, the number was 5,981. And so far, as of February 18th, this past Tuesday, right, as of this past week, the airlines, I'm sorry, the 15th, I guess, the airlines have reported not 394. 394 incidents this year involving unruly passengers. Think about that. It almost feels like bitterness 
bitterness within humanity is another pandemic that we're facing. It almost seems like that, that it's another pandemic that we are now facing. It is the natural state of the world that we live in. Bitterness is the natural state. All bitterness starts out as hurt, and then slowly over time, our collective anger and our hurt and our pain has gotten the best of us, and it turns us into a bitter people. It turns us into a bitter people. We, we don't even see it anymore. We don't even see the bitterness anymore. It's like all of us are looking through the world through these bitterness glasses. And that's all we can see. We're looking through the, the, these bitterness glasses at the world. We can't even imagine what the world would look like if we took these glasses off. But that's exactly what God intends for us to do. It's exactly what God intends for us to do. Life is better. It is more joyful. It, we are more at peace when we take these glasses off and we look at the world with the clarity that comes when bitterness is gone. We're so much better as a people when bitterness is gone. But the question is, how do you take those bitterness glasses off? How do you do that? It's a challenge because, like I said before, we don't even see the bitterness anymore. We don't even see the bitterness. Bitterness is this hidden destroyer. It lives below the surface of our lives, and it chokes out our joy. It chokes out our joy. A few years ago at a men's retreat, years and years ago actually now, at a men's retreat, I, um, I had this illustration uh, put before me. And on the one on the left is the one I want to show you specifically. There was a gentleman who was talking about bitterness in our life. And if you can't see that very well, the picture on the left there for you, that is a dandelion. And the top of the dandelion, kind of if you imagine, it lives on the surface where it's all bushy and the flower and stuff. But that root that goes down, that root that goes down is like 18 inches below the surface. It's like this dandelion that was rooted up. And, and here's the thing that it was taught to me at this men's retreat, that bitterness is like that dandelion. Right? On the surface, it kind of looks matted or whatnot. It might even look pretty if the dandelion flower comes out. But the reality is that that root comes way, way, way far down. And if you ever try to kill a dandelion, you know it is hard to kill. Right? You can take the top of that dandelion off, but what's going to happen? It's going to grow right back because the root goes so far down. Another picture on the, the right side there, you can look. You, you know, the, the bitterness you know, maybe that we see is like whatever we might see at the top of an iceberg, but we all know what happened to the Titanic. But you see the top of, of the iceberg just this little bit, but way, way far down, way, way far down that the bottom of that iceberg goes so deep. And bitterness will take you out if you're not careful. Bitterness is hidden, and it will destroy you if you are not intentional about rooting it out of your life. And so in the Bible, we see God is speaking to us about the dangers of bitterness and how to live without this poison in our life. And we look today to the book of Hebrews, which was written in, to the early church, and the, the early church was no stranger to bitterness. In fact, if we were to study and to look at the early church, these were people who were choosing to follow Jesus. Something had touched them in their life. They said, yes, this Jesus guy, I want to follow him. I understand. He's, he talks about love and forgiveness, and, and he's changed my life, and I want to follow him. And so there was the people who were following Jesus, but in following Jesus, they were being persecuted daily. They were being persecuted, not just name-calling, but some of these people were being killed for their faith. They were being persecuted daily. There was a lot of stress and angst to be a Christian. And the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is an encouragement to the first century 
Christians. Because to be honest, many of these first century Christians, they were ready to throw in the towel. They were saying, this following Jesus thing is, is too much. It's too hard. And they were ready to give up on following Jesus altogether. And so into this frustrating, into this fear-filled, into this challenging climate for these Christians, the author of Hebrews writes these words. He says, work at living at peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you falls or fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Bitterness is a root that always destroys. Bitterness is a root that always destroys. We have to watch out for it because when it's allowed to grow, it corrupts not just us, but it will corrupt other people. Bitterness left unchecked in your life will take you down. Like that iceberg, it will take you down. But bitterness left unchecked will also hurt other people. Our culture today is one that seems to celebrate bitterness. It celebrates bitterness. It believes that bitterness should be broadcasted everywhere. Just take a moment, look at social media. Take a moment and look at the movies and the television. Look at entertainment in general. The common theme in everything is the idea that my life revolves around this anger and this resentment that's untreated in my life. And I feel better if other people could be invited into my misery. I mean, that's what's happening on social media and in the media and, and in entertainment. Bitterness is almost expected as a natural way to be, and yet it never builds people up. And it always tears people down. And social distancing has been troubling and difficult for all of us in this years of, of in these, these years of dealing with the pandemic. There's, there's no question that it's been tough. And while I've heard that some people have argued there's, there are some positives that can be found from working behind a computer and from uh, using your mobile devices, there, there are some positives that are there. The overarching theme or the overarching sense is that being socially distant is hard on us. One observation that I've made in recent years is that when we're distant, typing away behind our uh, computers, when we're typing our relationships, if you will, Rather than facing one another, engaging each other face to face, it's easy for us to give in to our anger and our bitterness is allowed to have more space in our daily living. When we're distant from each other, it's easier to give in to our anger. It's easier to type that anger out. It's easier to give that bitterness space in our life. The founder of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, said it this way. He said, most people lose their kindness gene behind the keyboard. Boy, how true that is. Most people lose their kindness gene behind the keyboard. Hatred and holiness cannot coexist. Hatred and holiness cannot coexist in the same hearts. When we invite people into our bitterness, we are becoming a stumbling block for other people in the pursuit of their faith and in pursuit of their peace. Think about it. One person can destroy a growth group. One person can destroy a church if they're bitter. We've seen it. One person can divide a family. One person can ruin a marriage. Bitterness destroys. It never builds up. So how can you, how can you root out bitterness 
in your life? How can you destroy that bitterness? How do we take these glasses of bitterness off and, and begin to look with clarity at the world around us? Well, the first step is to just expose that bitterness, right? We have to expose the bitterness. We have to call it out. Remember, bitterness lives below the surface. It's like that root or like the iceberg. It's below the surface of what we see. It's hidden and it likes to live in the dark. Bitterness likes to live in the dark, but when you shine a light on it, that's when bitterness begins to lose its power. When you shine a light on the bitterness of your life, that's when it begins to lose its power over us. Last week, a friend of mine, Pastor Steve McClelland uh, from uh, the Pack Presbyterian Hackensack Church, uh, First Pres Hackensack, Pastor Steve was talking uh, with a group that I'm a part of, and he was sharing about his experience with therapy, therapy that he's been doing for years. In fact, Steve gave me permission to share this story because I think it highlights exactly what I'm talking about, about how exposing bitterness helps it to reduce and release its power. It kills its power. Steve said to me, he said, you know, I've been in talk therapy most of my life. Ever since seminary, I've really been in therapy in different ages and stages, but in seasons of my life. And it's been talk therapy. And he said his favorite was cognitive, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy because he would sit and he would sit on the, it's that, that quintessential layout on the couch and the, 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 the therapist is sitting behind you on the couch with the pen and pad. And, and so he would lay on the couch and then he wouldn't even see the therapist. She'd just be sitting behind him. But she would sit there and he would talk and he'd talk and talk. And when he'd come to the end of what he was saying, she would just say, well, how does that make you feel? And then he'd start talking some more, right? And it would just, he'd go through that whole concept. And then he'd get to the end of that and he'd say, well, how does that make you feel? Well, let me tell you how it makes me feel. And Steve is one of these guys that would just talk his problems out. And, and he noticed that as he went and did this, at some points, he even did talk therapy three times a week. He was actually going at one point for uh, up to three times a week. He noticed that as he talked through his relationships, through his past and through his pain, as he talked that out, he noticed that his anger towards his parents, towards his family, towards his friends, towards the things that were causing him problems in life, he noticed that as he talked that over and over and over, that his anger and all that sort of subsided. All the therapist did was give Steve a place to talk. He kept talking about his past until he had no more words to say. In his own words, he said, I just talked everything out. I had nothing left to say. There was no other angle to explore. There was nothing more to, no rocks to lift up. He said, I shared everything I could possibly think about with the therapist. And after months and months and months of exposing his past, all he did was talk these things out. And with every word, the, 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 the loss, his loss of words, the anger, as he, as he came to the end of his words, the, the bitterness and the anger just faded away. It faded away. He exposed his bitterness. He exposed his bitterness. He brought it to the light. He identified why he was bitter. And that was his first step towards peace. So we have to expose that bitterness. We have to bring it out. We have to face it and identify it. And then the second step is this, is for us to remember that bitterness is not your friend. I think a lot of us go around thinking that bitterness is our friend because it feels good sometimes to hold on to that. But as we've talked about, bitterness is not our friend. We've been learning about this. Bitterness, holding on to anger and offense, it keeps you trapped. It keeps you joyless and, and, and does not bring peace. No one has ever in the history of the world ever said, I'm better when I'm bitter. Right? That's just not a thing that people say. I'm better when I'm bitter. Holding on to bitterness in marriage or in family or in their job or in the church, 
Never does bitterness lead to healthy living. It doesn't lead to healthy living. It always leads to destruction, but never to health. And so remember, bitterness is not your friend. Hold on to that. Remember that bitterness is not your friend. If you find that you are bitter, identify why you're bitter. Number one, step one, expose it, face it, identify it. And then remember that bitterness is not your friend. God is your friend. God is your forever friend, not bitterness. And God hasn't written you off, even though you've offended him. God hasn't turned his back on you, even though you've ignored God. You've sinned against God. You've harmed God. You've hurt God. You haven't always put Jesus first in your thoughts or in your words or in your actions. You haven't trusted God's spirit to guide you and to lead you in life. And yet God still cares and God still loves you. You and I make mistakes every single day. But by the grace of God, the grace of God in our life, it means that God doesn't ship us off to some island and say, forget that guy, I'm done with him. Right, that's not what God says. The grace of God says that in, instead, because Jesus, who was perfect, took on our imperfection. Jesus, who was perfect, took on our imperfection, and he received our penalty in his place. If God so loves us that much that he allowed Jesus to die and take the fall for our mistakes, can't we be open to forgiving those who have hurt us when we've been offended? If God so loves us that he puts Jesus in our place, even though we've offended him day after day after day after day, can't we begin to think about how to forgive those who have offended us? Being bitter won't get us anywhere we want in life. Instead, remembering that we've been forgiven, that we make mistakes, it gives us perspective so we can pass that forgiveness on to others. We can take what we've received and we can give it to those who have hurt us. And that's how we continue this journey of letting go of bitterness, is by remembering bitterness is not our friend. God is our friend. And then step three, and this is probably the hardest one for us to practice. This is probably the hardest for us to practice, but you know you're not holding on to bitterness when you're able to do this. This is the telltale sign. This is the one that you can, you can absolutely understand that bitterness is no longer a part of your life when you can do this. As you picture the person or as you picture the people who have hurt you the most, can you bless and not curse them? Can you bless and not curse as some of you know, I've been doing a lot of study about the concept of being trauma-informed. And I believe there's a lot of exploration and a lot of space for us to grow in this area, me personally as a pastor, but I think also us as a church. And you know, many people have had hard life experiences. Many people have experienced trauma in their world. And they're bitter, and they're bitter for a reason. You've been hurt, and you're still in pain. There may be people in this room, there may be people listening to this right now who are listening to my words and you're saying, but Pastor Doug, you don't understand what's happened to me. And, and you're, to be fair, you're right. I don't understand. But let me start for a moment explaining what I mean by blessing and tell you what I'm saying. Blessing is not. Blessing doesn't mean giving someone who's hurt you the ability to keep hurting you. That's not what I mean when I say blessing. To bless someone who has hurt you does not mean that you allow that person to continue to hurt you. That's not blessing. 
Blessing means you're not holding the grudge. You're not holding on to the pain. You're not letting that bitterness define you anymore. That's what I mean when I say blessing. You lay that, that, that hurt down and you trust Jesus with it. And in doing that, you are reaping blessing. When you get to step three of blessing, you are living the words of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Blessing comes when you work at living in peace with everyone at work at living a holy life. That's where the blessing comes. When you work at living at peace with everyone and you work at living a holy life. A few years ago, a friend of mine got divorced. The divorce wasn't his idea. His wife one day just up and split. And he felt abandoned and he felt betrayed and he was hurt and he was embarrassed by her decision. He had no idea it was coming. And over the course of the following months after she asked for the divorce, I was privileged to watch my friend's character and his integrity and I had to watch his faith in action. And as you can imagine, there were times when he was angry. There were times where he was frustrated. He was tempted to hold on to bitterness. But instead, he chose blessing. He chose blessing. Sometimes the blessing was, was just holding his tongue when he could have spoken. It was not lashing out when he could have said something. It was not letting any unwholesome talk come out of his mouth. But, but rather, at other times, the blessing came in the form of his attitude and the integrity by which he conducted himself with his lawyers and with his ex-wife. I watched as this man blessed this woman who in many ways had destroyed his image, his perspective, his picture of marriage, and what he had envisioned for himself for the years to come. And by blessing him, or by blessing her, he received blessing. The blessing of not carrying any unwanted baggage. His life was better and his life was more peaceful. It was less stressful because bitterness evaporates in the face of blessing. Bitterness evaporates in the face of blessing. And so as we wrap up this series, I want to ask you this very same question that I asked you at the beginning of this series in the very first message. Do you believe that you can live an unoffended life? Do you believe that you can live an unoffended life? It is hard to live an unoffended life, but it is absolutely possible for us. By the grace of God, it is available to us. The, uh, the other day, Cindy shared with me a quote that she found on social media. And it's, a, it's by an unknown author, and it's entitled, Choose Your Heart. Maybe you've seen this. Choose Your Heart. And the quote was this, Marriage is hard, divorce is hard. Choose your heart. Obesity is hard. Being fit is hard. Choose your heart. Being in debt is hard. Being financially disciplined is hard. Choose your heart. Communication is hard. Not communicating is hard. Choose your heart. Life will never be easy. It will always be hard, but we can choose our heart. So pick wisely. Where are you harboring bitterness? Wherever it is, identify that bitterness today. Identify, write it down. Write, write it down. Identify where it is. Face it and expose it. Bring it to the light. Realize that all bitterness does is it leaks poison into your life 
do the hard work to live at peace with everyone and release that bitterness. And let me just say this. If you've been seriously hurt, please talk to a therapist. Please talk to a therapist. Find someone to talk to. Talk to someone who can help you process this. This is bigger. If you've been seriously hurt, this is bigger than you can imagine. So reach out to someone. Reach out to me. I'll help you find somebody. But reach out to someone to help you, someone that you can talk to. And this may take time. This isn't something that you're just going to be able to necessarily release tomorrow. It may take time. It's going to take work and effort, but that's okay. Give it the time that it needs. But learn to lay down the pain and the hurt and choose blessing. In this angry, frustrated, offendable world, we can be different. We can be different. Release the burden that so many of us carry. We carry around. And together, let's model for the world. Let's us model for, for the world a faith in Jesus Christ. A faith, a faith in Jesus Christ that lets bitterness evaporate in the face of blessing. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful to you uh, that we don't have to carry this burden alone. Lord, this is not something that we can do. We, we, all this work that I've talked about today, none of this is possible without the presence and the power and the guiding and the leading of your Holy Spirit. And so God, today we pray that your Holy Spirit would touch our hearts and our lives, that you would drill down into the deepest, darkest, hardest parts of our life, Lord, and we would have the courage to expose that bitterness, call it out, and begin the process, the, the journey of letting go of that bitterness and seeking blessing, your blessing in our lives. So we thank you, God, that we are loved by a God who cares for us so much that you will help us do this. We pray this all today in Jesus' name. Amen.